0: Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shaylin Back.
1: And I'm Carly Guyman. We're your co-hosts. We are very excited to welcome back to the podcast, Sister Raina Alberto from the Relief Society General Presidency, who is here today with her daughter, Elena. Welcome to you both, uh, Sister you. Alberto and Thank Elena. You.
0: And for our listeners, if you haven't heard the episode that was released last week, we suggest going back and listening to that. We had a really great conversation with Sister Roberto just about some of her life experiences and what her responsibilities are like as a counselor in the Relief Society General Presidency. And to set up today's episode and what we want to talk about today, our listeners might be familiar with the talk that Sister Roberto gave in General Conference in October 2019 called "Through." cloud and sunshine, Lord, abide with me. And in this talk, she addressed mental and emotional afflictions like anxiety and depression and many others. And we're going to talk more about that today, including the personal experiences that led to sharing this message and just how this message came about. So we are so grateful that both Elena and Sister Berto are here to open up about this topic and have opened up about this topic in the past and just are here to share your perspectives and your experiences.
2: We are so grateful that you invited us to come. We are really excited about this. Thank
1: you for coming. Thank you so much. I think so many people will really appreciate what you have to share today and and your experiences. So we introduced and got to talk with Sister Alberto last week, and we're so excited. This is so fun. Our first mother-daughter episode.
2: So
1: so excited to introduce Elena to our listeners. Elena, Sister Alberto's daughter, was born in Utah and served a mission in Modesto, California. She's a graduate student studying arts and teaching and is a music teacher at an elementary school. Elena also writes a blog about mental health issues, and in her free time, She loves to listen to podcasts, play music, sing karaoke, and spend time with her St. Bernard dog. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome, Elena. Thank you for joining your mom. This is
0: really great. And to start this conversation, we would love for the two of you to start sharing your story from the beginning. Elena, will you just tell us about your perspective as someone who suffers from depression and anxiety? And then Sister Berta, we would love for you to share your perspective as a mother who's trying to learn and, and understand and help.
3: Yeah, I think I'll start by talking about my anxiety. So I have what's called social anxiety, which just means that when I'm around other people, my body reacts like it's in danger. So it's hard for me because I'm just constantly worried about like what people think of me. And just as an example, when I was growing up going to school, if I was sitting in class and a teacher called on me, then my body would act up, like my heart would start racing and my face would feel hot. And I felt like everyone in, the, in class was judging me. And so I didn't know that all of those thoughts and feelings were a panic attack. And so, yeah, my, my social anxiety made it so that I only felt safe when I was alone. But then when I was alone, that led to my depression because... Yeah, it was just lonely (laughs) to be alone. Mm -hmm. And and Heavenly Father doesn't want us to be alone. He doesn't intend for us to be alone. and But yeah, I was just alone because I felt that my sadness was something that I had to keep to myself. I didn't really share it with anyone else. And so I never spoke to anyone about it. And it was just this constant cycle of like when I'm with people, I'm anxious. But then when I am alone, I'm depressed. That sadness. So mm -hmm. yes, it was just... Never-ending
1: cycle of misery, honestly. That's really challenging, and Mm. I think something others can relate to.
2: Well, in my case, as a mother, I remember those years. She was going to school, and sometimes I would feel like she wanted to be alone in a way. So when I tried to reach out to her, I felt like a little bit rejected sometimes, and I, I made the mistake of not really dwelling into what's happening and asking her what her feelings were. And I think it was around the time that she graduated from high school that both her and I, we realized that there was a problem that needed to be addressed. But we didn't probably address it immediately. It took a few years. And I don't know if you want to talk about that period between high school and your mission.
3: Yeah. So the transition from high school to college was really hard for me. I didn't feel like I was adequate enough to be an adult, I guess. And yeah, it was at that time where my depression was really bad that I would just cry every single day and I felt like such a loser and I felt like if I were to die like would anyone even care but I'm really lucky because I had a friend who she had previously mentioned that she was suffering with depression and so I decided to just go over and talk to her and she was the one who gave me the courage to start going to therapy And, yeah, I mean, that was just a turning point in my life. Just being vulnerable with her helped me to realize that I wasn't alone in my suffering Mm -hmm. and that I needed to get professional help for it. And my mom also has always been very willing to listen to me. And she's been my biggest support through all of this. So I'm really lucky to have her, too.
0: And that sounds like such a difficult time when, Elena, you were saying you didn't even know how to Really articulate your feelings because it was just this vicious cycle that you're like, Why can't I be around people? Why can't I be alone? Mm -hmm. So I imagine that was really hard to be open about those struggles to even reach out for help. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for people who may be experiencing similar things? You know, how can they reach out for support?
3: For me, being vulnerable is something so important because we all are struggling with something and nobody's going to fit a perfect mold. If you share your vulnerabilities with with other people, then that's going to help you feel like you belong. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I don't know why I thought that going to therapy was just for crazy people, but that's not true. It's just like having depression is just like any other disease where you have to go to a doctor for it. You can't just solve it on your Mm -hmm. own, really. So it's okay to just go to therapy and, and open up about your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: What I love about what you shared is that it began with a friend of yours who opened up first, right? And because she opened up, it probably felt like a safe place for you to go or, oh, maybe maybe she'll understand. And I think that each of us will find that. There's been a time when I experienced some anxiety, and as soon as I started opening up, it was after I'd become a mom and I was trying to get back into working and balancing those two was creating a lot of stress and anxiety for me. And as I opened up to other moms, it was like, you feel this way too, and you're also seeking help for these things. And it is, it's a beautiful thing when we can share our struggles and gain strength from each other.
2: Yeah, I think that is important to have a safe person to go to, mm-hmm. at least one And we can probably identify who that person can be or who those people could be. And also it's important for us to be that safe person. Mm -hmm. You know, that when we see that others are suffering, that we can actually talk to them and say, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Tell me. And instead of trying to fix them, to listen to Mm -hmm. them.
1: That's beautiful. And I think exactly what so many of us need to hear and be reminded of. And maybe you could share more as Elena was on this journey as her mother and as you've said, kind of a listening partner, what are some things that you did to help her?
2: Well, I think that probably the, the best thing that I did at that point was to open up the conversation with her because I realized that she was suffering and, and I, I just will have conversations with her. Tell me how you're feeling and maybe you can look for help in this way or that way. And just listening and crying together. You know, we will cry together. We will pray together. And I will just try to listen. But at the same time, I, I would like to just take this opportunity to say that we should not be too hard on ourselves, both when we are suffering and when we are supporting someone, yeah. because we are all learning, mm-hmm. you know. Just to give you an example, just after all this that we have gone through together, just about a year ago, Elena was going to school in Idaho. And mm-hmm. one night she called me and she was sad for something that was happening. I can't remember where it was. Mm-hmm. And then I started telling her, oh, yeah, you can do this. You're, you can do that. You can do this. And I was just giving her all the solutions. You know? <laughs> trying to fix things. Yes. Right? So I was trying to be the fixer. And then all of a sudden she just said, oh, I need to leave. And so she, you know, hung up and it was like, okay. And then about two days later, I called her again because I wanted to give her some time. Mm-hmm. And then she told me, you know what, the other night after I talked to you, I went to see a friend. And she actually did exactly what it says in Mosiah, that we need to just mourn with the ones that are mourning and cry with the ones that are crying. Mm -hmm. And she just listened to me. And for me, that was a big lesson. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. (laughs) It's a hard thing to do. It's hard. So what I'm trying to say is, oh, just because Sister Aburto gave this talk, she knows what to do and she's an expert, but I'm not. We're all learning and we just have to be patient with ourselves and just try to do our best in trying to cope with whatever we are suffering and also in trying to support other people Mm -hmm. and just try to also help them feel the love of God, bring them to Christ Mm -hmm. and bring ourselves to Christ because He's really the master healer.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think the key there that you mentioned is to just make the effort when you're trying to show somebody that you care, you can figure that out together. So you had been in college and then had this decision to serve a mission.
3: So I, I started going to therapy in order to prepare for my mission. I'd never thought I was going to serve a mission, by the way, but the Lord kept telling me to. And I finally did. Which is so brave of he you. Is. <laughs>
1: That's really, really brave of you. Thank you.
3: But yeah, I, I served a mission and I miraculously was able to do that with this burden on my shoulders. and. I think that was when you finally realized something, right? When I was on my mission. Do you want yes. to share that? Yes.
2: What happened is that kind of like in the middle of her service as a missionary, you know, but just by reading her messages, I could sense that something was wrong, that she, mm-hmm. was, she was really struggling. And I remember asking her through my messages, too. And, and she said, yes, I feel very sad because of this or that. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was feeling really sad because I was not able to support her as as I I used to before her mission. So I remember one night, it was a Sunday night, I remember clearly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was so sad because of that. I just felt that I could not do anything to help my daughter. And I I remember even getting up from bed and going to another room and I just cried and cried and cried and cried. Mm -hmm. I felt like crying. And then when I was done crying... I knelt down and I told my Heavenly Father, please help me, help my daughter. I really don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And you're separated from, you know, she's away Um, from you. Yeah, and back then we could not speak on the phone every week. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. And so I went to sleep and then the next morning the first thought that came to my mind was, I don't know anything about this. Mm. You know, because before I was just trying to support her, but I really didn't know anything. And so... I just went to the church website. I did some searches and I found so much material in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was like, okay. And I started collecting and printing and I, I made copies and I sent them to Elena. <laughs> and I said, read this. We will study this together. Please share it with anybody who use it. And that was the beginning for me to really understand how these illnesses work, you know, and the damage that they can impose on people and also the, the way that we can help the ones that are supporting them. And at that point, I also made such a big discovery, which may sound dumb, but I didn't know that perfectionism was the cause of of a lot of depression. I thought that trying to be perfect was a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think in a way it is because we need to stretch ourselves. We need to try to always be better today than we were the day Mm -hmm. before. But at the same time, sometimes we go to extreme. We Mm -hmm. think that we have to be perfect today. We don't allow ourselves to make mistakes. We don't allow other people to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And that can be very debilitating. So that was one of the discoveries that I made and I remember also telling her why don't you try to get therapy over there maybe your mm-hmm. mission president could help you and and they did you yeah, know absolutely and just having a few sessions helped her but it also prepared me I didn't know that at that point the lord was preparing me for what was coming in the future too which was my calling
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Elena, I'd love to know what your reaction was when your mom just started sending you all of these talks and all of this, <laughs> this information, information and that she was discovering with all these, yeah, all these resources.
3: It was awesome. It was just what I needed. It was an answer to my prayers. And that actually is how the Lord answers my prayers is through other people, especially my mom. So it was wonderful. And like she said, it helped me to understand that I didn't need to have perfectionism. And through therapy, both on my mission and off, it's just helped me to train my brain to think in a more healthy way where it's like, okay, I don't need to expect myself to be perfect. Like, it's okay to make a mistake every once in a while. And even repentance, it sounds like an oxymoron, but repentance is obedience. When you are repenting, you are obeying the Lord. So like, I mean, that's what he wants you to do is to learn from your mistakes and be better. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's okay that I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. That's
0: such an incredible insight. I love that you said if we're trying to be better and repenting, we are obeying. We are and obeying. That, that's really meaningful to me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I also struggle with not even just looking at perfectionism, but it's like we have so many roles in our life that we're just trying to be good at, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like when we're kind of failing in one of those areas, it is just, it's painful. It can mm-hmm. be really painful. And so I just love that idea that it's just like if we're trying our best and repenting, then we're being obedient. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually,
3: that reminds me too. I I had a conversation with a friend where I was telling him that it was really like when you're anxious too, sometimes it can be hard to go to church because like you're just reminded of all the ways that you're yeah. you know, failing yeah. at life. <laughs> and so it was really hard for me and I would just go to church and I'd cry the entire time. And a friend of mine saw me crying and he was so generous and like, and he talked to me for a little bit, And I told him how I felt, and he was like, it's okay if most people, when they go to church, he said that most people just go because it's out of habit. You know, they don't actually go thinking about how they can repent and be Hmm. better. And so he told me, like, the fact that you are so concerned with repenting and... Being a better person, like you are better than me because
1: you actually care about like fixing your mistakes. And so that yeah. really changed my life too. <laughs> That's a kind friend that helped you have a broader perspective. And that was something that we talked about, Shaylin and I, in preparation for this conversation, is we are a people that are always trying to be better. And through the scriptures and through prophetic messages and teachings, they're inviting us to be more like Christ. And for some of us, that can cause. Pain and hurt if we are so concerned about perfectionism. And so I'd love your thoughts on how we can better process those invitations to be better without feeling like, oh, they're asking me to be perfect and I can't do that because we can. You know, you've said understanding that we are flawed and we will fail every time and that we need Jesus Christ is so important. So I would love your thoughts on that.
2: One of the talks that helped me at that point when I was trying to inform myself about these issues. Mm -hmm. was one called Perfection Pending from President Nelson that he gave years ago. Mm -hmm. And I just love what he said in there, because he said that when the Lord was in Jerusalem, he said to the people that were following him, he said, be perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That's what he said in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. But then when he was in the Americas, in the American continent, he told the saints in there, he said, be perfect even as I or your Father who is in heaven is perfect. So he included himself a second time. Mm-hmm. And what President Nelson explained in that talk is that in order to be perfect, the Savior had to go through some things that happened between Jerusalem and the Americas. Mm-hmm. One of them is the resurrection mm-hmm. and, of course, the, the atonement, right? But then he, he tells us, you know, that, yes, we will be perfect one day through the grace of Christ. Mm-hmm. But right now we are in the process of getting there. And that's why we have to accept that we are in a fallen state right now. And we just have to try to be better. That's part of the doctrine of Christ, to repent constantly, to obey, like Elena said before. But we are not going to be perfect until we go through other things that will not happen in this life, just like the Savior did. And I just love that. I mean, just reading that opened my eyes and my understanding that, yes, that's what we are striving for. But it doesn't have to happen today, right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. I will make mistakes, and and I just need to use those mistakes to learn how to be better. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Of course, I need to be better. But perfect is something that will come, perfection will come in the future through the grace of Christ and Mm -hmm. through His atonement. And that's why we need a Savior. We need to understand that that is His role in our life, to help us become perfect and whole.
0: I just think it was so incredible how that revelation that you received to learn more about what Elena was experiencing with her depression and anxiety and that you just really dove into all that research. And it led to the talk that you gave that we referenced previously. It's called Through Cloud and Sunshine, Lord, Abide With Me that we'd love our listeners to also read. But we just want to know, in addition to all these personal experiences, can you share more about how this talk came about and what led you to really feel like this was an important topic for the membership of the church to hear?
2: Well, I think that the feeling started from the beginning, you know, as part of my calling, I visit words. I speak in devotionals. I see people on in the street. I used to ride the train before the pandemic and I mm-hmm. would talk to people on the train talk to all to the people time. All day, yeah. <laughs> and also we will travel all over the United States and Canada and other countries too. And many times people will bring this subject up. And I even remember more than once uh, sisters asking me, Sister Aburto, is it okay if we talk about depression in religious society? And that just broke my heart mm-hmm. because I felt like, okay, that means that sisters feel that they are not allowed to talk about this when it's something that is that's real affecting yeah. so many of their sisters and even themselves. And even uh, I remember in Johannesburg, that was 2017, uh, I had a devotional with some young adults and, and they brought up this subject too. And I was like, really? I thought this was only a problem in the first world, but it's everywhere. You know, I think that the Lord somehow brings to our heart... The things that we need to focus on little by little. And I even remember that when I received the first assignment to speak in general conference, that thought came to my mind. And I thought, you know, I had like three or four things that I was considering. And it's a painful process, let me tell yeah. you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Especially <laughs> so this when was, this was like in 2017.
2: 2017, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The first time I talked on conference was in April 2018. So it was around that time. But then the more I thought about depression and mental issues, I said, I cannot talk about this in a light way. You know, I really need to research and learn more if if this is something that I I would like to address. Mm -hmm. The the Spirit guided me in a different direction and I gave a different talk. But that thought about this will come back to me over and over. I decided to start like a file, you know. I would (laughs) throw ideas in there every time people talk to me about it. And then when the second assignment came, again, it's a painful process. And that was one of the topics that I had in my mind, in my heart. And one day I just grabbed that file, read over it, and I just asked the Lord, you know, please guide me. If this is what you want me to talk about, please let me know. And it was interesting on the train, just that week as I was going through this People will talk about it to me without knowing that I was in my heart. And and then I knelt down one day and I prayed and I said, Heavenly Father, is this what you want me to talk about? And, and I felt that it was. And uh, that started another painful process of really going deeply into this and reading and talking to people. And I even talked to some friends who are therapists because I knew I could not do it a myself.
1: Professional Yes, Perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first thing I did was to talk to my friend and they said, if you can talk from the top of the rooftop of the conference center, what would you say? <laughs> and she gave me a few points, but it was interesting how the Lord guided me. And I think that the main point is that we need to realize that we don't have to suffer alone when we have these issues. Like Elena said before, we should not be ashamed, just like we are not ashamed if we have other issues like migraine or cancer. Mm hmm. And we just need to look for help. We just will not do it alone. And that implies informing ourselves. It implies talking about it with others Mm -hmm. and looking for the help from the Lord because He is the master healer. He's the one who really is going to heal us. But we need to take the steps to receive that healing.
0: And it's really amazing if you look at your talk and look at all the footnotes, you can tell How much information information. that you really put together and that has been really meaningful for you. And I would say to our listeners, I mean, all of us have either, you know, if we're not currently struggling with these challenges with our mental and emotional health or have someone really close to us that is, it will happen or has happened. And it's it's just amazing that there are so many resources that we can learn more Mm -hmm. and rely on.
1: And we'll be sure to include those in notes for this show resources from the church that you've mentioned, your talk, and others that people can go to to learn more. And I think what is so amazing about your talk is that it had a great impact. I know that there were so many people all around the world who were just so grateful that this was being addressed and so grateful that now there's a resource, something that they can base a discussion off of in Relief Society or that they can go to when they're struggling or when. They know of someone struggling.
2: Yeah, but I can testify that it came from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's
1: what's so beautiful about it, and that there were these things in your personal life and in your service that led you to addressing this topic that was on the hearts of so many people. And I also think something that, again, speaks to your courage and your willingness to be open is that in your talk, you also talked about your father's suicide, Mm -hmm. that your father had had died of suicide. And what you learned about the importance of talking openly about these things. Can you share more about that?
2: Well, the truth is that my father died 27 years ago. And for some reason, I didn't talk to my children about it. Mm -hmm. They didn't know exactly how my father had died because it was very painful. And at the same time, you know how as parents we are so protective of our mm-hmm. children and I, yeah, I was you afraid. Don't want them to mm-hmm. get hurt or and I was afraid that they would probably get suicidal thoughts too. Mm-hmm. but then the years passed by, and I never did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's easy to just sometimes pretend that something didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably is because I was still hurting, yeah, and it's still hard for me. It's not a hard, mm-hmm. hard thing to talk about. And as I was researching and reading, uh, of course, the topic of suicide came in those uh, resources. And I watched uh, a couple of videos that Elder Renland Mm -hmm. did, and he actually talks in there that we need to talk about it. Actually, talking about it helps prevent it. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I cannot be a hypocrite. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) talk about this without having had a conversation with my children. And it was just maybe two months before that talk, Mm -hmm. I, I sat down with my children and I told them and... We were able to cry together and, you know, it has been so relieving. And at the same time, just the fact that they are able to grieve with me. Mm -hmm. Again, we need to allow other people to cry with us because that helps us. It helps all of us. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the the process of that talk. So that talk has a long history behind it. I just felt that, that I needed to say it because also so many people came to me afterwards. We also have that happened in our family, you know. Thank you for talking about Speaking it. Speaking about it, yeah. Yes. And I know that many of our children even or youth, they are bombarded with messages that are so awful. The and bullying so, that, that
1: yes. is so prevalent. Yeah. And
2: so I think that if we talk about these things and we express our feelings with our children and we talk about the sanctity of life and the fact that we don't have to face our pains alone, and also to give support to the people that have suffered this in, in their family. So just, we, we need to be loving to each other.
1: And I think what I hear you saying is that those conversations have a healing Power, right that that was healing for you it was healing for your family and others then even hearing you talk about it it was healing for them and i will say we'll be sure to include resources in the notes to learn more about preventing suicide and and talking about suicide and resources for those who are struggling with suicidal thoughts hotline numbers and other things like that that can be resources for
0: them Some of these effects that come from mental health challenges can be so devastating in addition to talking about suicide, and we can be completely blinded to God's light and really lose our way that way, you know, and not feel purpose and not feel valued. And it really distorts the way we perceive ourselves and the way we perceive others And we just would love to know what counsel do the two of you have for people who may feel abandoned by God and who don't feel Mm -hmm. valued and, you know, maybe that God doesn't hear them, but then in reverse, that they can't hear God, you know, they're struggling to hear Him. So what would you say to people who are struggling with those questions?
3: So I think of the scripture in the Bible that says that you have to lose yourself in order to find yourself. So in my perspective, if you ever want to feel the spirit of the Lord, you need to just forget about yourself and focus on how to help somebody else. So it's just it's not effective to just sit and feel sorry for yourself. I just guarantee that if you pray and ask God, like, who can I help? Like, he's going to answer that prayer every time. And I really love the way that Elder Bednar talked about this in his talk, The Character of Christ. He said, Characters revealed in the power to reach out and extend compassion for the spiritual agony of others when we are in the midst of our own spiritual distress. Thus, character is demonstrated by looking and reaching outward when the natural and instinctive response is to be self-absorbed and turn inward. That's happened in my own life. Like If I just focus on somebody else, then I'm able to feel the spirit because I feel the love that Heavenly Father has for them. And... Yeah, I don't know, just anytime two people who care about each other are talking, the spirit is there, whether you recognize it or not. I don't know, for me, I think it's just so key to serve and to be served by others in order to get to know the Lord and feel His spirit.
1: That's really good insight. No, thank you for sharing that.
2: Well, I think that that is a way of talking about the two greatest commandments. You know, it's loving God and loving others. And I think that they are so interconnected the best thing that we can do is to try to love others. Mm-hmm. When we love others, we love God more. And when we love God, we love others more. <laughs> it's so insightful. I mean, it's it is, very it's simple, so but it's,
1: it's really beautiful.
2: So I think that we also need to try to find the time to be still. I think that sometimes we just are always so distracted by so many things, so many voices, so many things that are happening around us. And we need to try to find the time to be still and to try to listen Mm -hmm. and do the small and simple things that will get us closer to God. Mm -hmm. We need to pray. We need to have conversations with our Heavenly Father to really talk to Him and and tell Him how we are feeling and that we want to feel of His love. And He will answer that prayer somehow through Mm -hmm. other person, through a scripture. We need to read the scriptures because in there we can feel of His love too. Uh, We can fast. We can serve others like Elena said just Reaching to others will help us feel that love. And also, like I said before, to have a safe person to talk to. Mm-hmm. Talk to someone to verbalize our feelings, help us realize the, the blessings that we have. Because God is always by our side. Going back to my talk, and it's not that I want to talk about keep talking about that, but that image of the clouds that I mm-hmm. wanted in to show very in the beginning, yeah. I hope that people can see that the problem is the cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we were above the clouds, the sun was so, it was shining with such intensity mm-hmm. that we could not see the darkness mm-hmm. behind the clouds or underneath the clouds. And when we were underneath the clouds, we could not see the sun, mm-hmm. but the sun was there. The light was there. I knew it was there. And that's why it made such a big impression on me, because I kept thinking, all these people are here in this <laughs> darkness, but I know the sun is there. It is always there. God is always by our side. But we just need to find a way to break that cloud. And the problem is the cloud. It's not you. Mm-hmm. It's not you. It's mm-hmm. the cloud. And whatever you need to do to break that cloud, whatever it is, just ask for help from Heavenly Father. Ask for, for help from, from other people. And you will be able to see and feel that love again. Because it's always there. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But we read it in the Scriptures. The Lord promises us that He will be by your side. And He is and again it's not the problem is not you the problem is that cloud that is blocking your your view
0: and that's such powerful imagery i mean yeah. i can feel that as you're talking about it I appreciate you emphasizing that it's the cloud it's not us. Mm-hmm. It's not there's nothing wrong with that. And not
1: us. the sun either. Right? The and sun the, is. yeah, it's not it's not the sun exactly. <laughs> no, cuz I've talked to a lot of people who have said I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, especially this year as we're talking mm-hmm. so much about how we can hear his voice and how we can feel God's influence in our lives and they're saying I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and I'm not feeling it. I'm mm-hmm. not hearing him. I'm not getting the direction that I need. So I think that perspective is important. And I don't know if you have anything more to speak to those people who are in the cloud, who are doing all of those things and who are not quite breaking through.
2: Just keep trying. Don't give up and try to find help from Mm -hmm. others too. Just realize that it's part of our mortal state. You know, all this sufferings and all this pain. But that there is hope. There is something more out there. I remember reading something that Elder Holland, I think it was in one of his social media accounts, You know, he told a story that when you have these ships with sails, that they depend on the wind. Sometimes the wind stops and they cannot go anywhere. So the only thing that they do, the sailors, is to wait. Wait until this wind comes back. And that was his advice, you know, his counsel. He said, sometimes we just need to be still and wait. But again, we also need to do those small and simple things that will help us feel the love of God again. Well, that's a good
1: reminder. So... Sister Alberto, you shared in your talk that a major challenge in our society, and we could say in our families or in our church even, is skepticism and judgment of mental health challenges and often passed by those who haven't experienced it. It's hard to kind of understand or to grasp. So. For those of us who do not experience clinical depression or anxiety or maybe haven't had a close touch with that in our families or in our life yet, how can we become more compassionate, more understanding, and less judgmental?
2: Well, I think that we need to really listen to other people so they can explain their pain to us. And we need to realize that it's real, even if I have not experienced it. For example, in my life, I have never broken a bone. I don't know how that pain feels. (laughs) But if I see someone aching from that, I believe them. I believe them that it hurts. Mm -hmm. So we need to really believe when someone tells us that they are suffering. We need to validate their pain, even if we don't know exactly how it feels. Just try to put ourselves in their shoes. Not just I mean, also we make the mistake of saying, oh, if you will pray more, then it will go away. Prayer, of course, is a big help. It gives us power. It gives us the strength. And miracles can happen. But there are some cases in which the person actually needs to do other things. Mm -hmm. They need to express their feelings. And sometimes only by talking about it is enough. Sometimes it's by changing some routines like, you know, our diet, exercising more, sleeping better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that helps. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's enough. But sometimes we need more help. So we just need to be there to validate their pain and to listen to them and to really try to help them in a way that it will bring them hope.
1: Sister Roberto, you shared a time when Elena had called you and was looking for someone to listen, <laughs> and she didn't quite find what she was needing or looking for. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, As you've said, that to be able to move past this judgment and be more compassionate, we really need to listen. Can you share, Elena, what does that look like? What does listening look like? What does listening not look like? Mm-hmm. How can we become better listeners? The scripture
3: in Messiah that we talked about earlier, um, mourning with those that mourn, it does not say to give advice to those that mourn literally just it means to listen and let them cry i love jesus's example when he saw mary magdalene at the tomb where he asked her woman why weepest thou just giving her the opportunity to say what was What's what wrong? was wrong yes yeah giving her the opportunity to grieve, and and he just listened to her, even though he could have told her the answer, like, I'm right here, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Like, he just let her cry, and it's okay. It's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me, just mm-hmm. letting the person express their feelings. Mm-hmm.
0: So throughout this journey, Elena and your struggles and then Sister Roberto in supporting, what have both of you learned? Just maybe kind of some overall takeaways. What have you learned?
3: Uh, I I feel like I could write a book (laughs) based on everything (laughs) I've learned. Ten books. Yes. Um, I guess it has helped me to understand the plan of salvation a lot better because I understand that in order to have happiness, we have to experience misery. We need that opposition in order to know what it is like to feel joy in the first place. And it's helped me understand why we have trials because... I mean, my depression and anxiety have been the hardest things in my life, but they've also been the trial that has brought me closer to God more than anything else in my life. It's what's strengthened my testimony the most. And I've just been able to come to know Heavenly Father through this. And I just, I'm so grateful for this trial, as hard as it's been. It's just, I just can't imagine what my life would be like without it. It's given me empathy. Um, even with my friends and, and roommates and, and my students right now, I've seen how their mental health is not, you know, the best that it can be. And I, it just gives me the empathy towards those people that I can, I understand how they feel. And
2: I feel so much love for them because of that. Thank you. I also have learned more about the role of the Savior in our life. In a way, we are all broken vessels. Like I said before, we're all suffering from something. We are healing from something, and we need that healing, and, and, and He's the one who provides it. That's why we should not be ashamed if we are suffering from this. We just need to realize that it's part of our mortal experience and that we have a Savior and Redeemer who has the power to bring us back together, to heal us, to make us whole. And, but it's also important to talk to our children. I'm so happy to have a second chance with my grandchildren and with other people, that I I can at least be more open about this and let them express their feelings and emotions and to let them know that they have a savior, that no matter what they go through, that he can help them. I just feel so grateful that even though trials, of course, are hard and, and we don't really choose to go through them, but they really make us stronger. And they really make us more compassionate and more sensitive to other people. And also they help us get closer to God, just like Elena said. And just knowing that we are loved by our Heavenly Father and by our Savior and that they have really give us everything that we need in order to find joy in this life.
0: It is so beautiful. And this conversation has been So insightful for me. It's been really valuable to hear, to have this conversation about mental health from someone who has really struggled with it and overcome it in some ways and been able to learn from it. And then someone who hasn't experienced it personally, but who has tried so hard to be such a strong support And I just have learned so much and so many people have come to my mind, you know, and just different experiences throughout my life that I just really appreciate both of you being so open and so brave and so willing to come and share your experiences with us and our listeners today. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. you.
1: And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. Like we mentioned earlier, we'll be sure to include links to the talks and the resources that we've discussed here. And of course, we hope you'll go back and if you haven't yet listened to that first episode with Sister Alberto last week. And we hope that you'll share this with someone who needs it and let us know We would love to receive any feedback or ideas. Feel free to leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. You can also reach out to us directly at podcasts at churchofjesuschrist.org. And until next time, I'm Carly Guyman.
0: And I'm Shaylin Back. Thanks again for listening.